Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Token Talks. Before we get started, I just wanted to make a quick call out to you, our listener. Token Talks has been running for three months now, and the response has been overwhelming. We're truly amazed by how much interest there is in our interviews with leading crypto technology founders. Playing our small part in documenting the progress of the space is a real honor. And so we want to make sure that we're continually improving to provide as much value to the community as possible. So I have a small request. Send us a tweet to let us know what you think of the podcast. Let us know what you like and what we can improve. The feedback you give us will really help us in shaping the episodes going forward. You can tweet at me at Zachary DeWitt, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-D-E-W-I-T-T, and I'll read every single one and respond. Again, that's at Zachary DeWitt. Let me know what you think. Okay, that's all from me for now. So now on to this week's episode. You're listening to Token Talks, brought to you by Wing Venture Capital. I'm your host, Zach DeWitt. And to use that token, they don't have to go visit an exchange, buy it, put it in their wallet, show back up at the app, you know, remove it from the wallet, make the trade. They actually just show up and act, engage. They pay with whatever token they want. And under the hood, Radar and other venues that are providing these global liquidity pools are able to provide that managed user experience and extract away whatever token is native to that dApp. And under the hood, that dApp or that token issuer gets paid and the token that makes sense for their crypto economics. The user doesn't even think about it and they just act. Today, we are joined by Alan Curtis, the CEO and co-founder of Radar Relay. Radar Relay is a peer-to-peer trading platform for Ethereum-based tokens built on the 0x protocol. Radar operates an order book and relays orders between peers while never holding any assets in custody. Radar allows for direct wallet-to-wallet trading, which means you never lose custody of your tokens. You can think of Radar Relay almost like a Craigslist bulletin board in that you can see an order book and make peer-to-peer trades. Given the hundreds of millions of dollars lost in exchange hacks, trading crypto tokens using Radar will ensure your tokens are never stolen. Radar is growing 500% month over month in terms of volume, is the market leader in decentralized exchanges, and has a global user base touching 150 countries, with two-thirds of its users being outside of the U.S. So Alan, welcome to Token Talks. Please introduce yourself. Thanks, Zach. Yeah, thanks again for the invitation. Excited to be here. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Alan, CEO of Radar. Like many of you um, listeners, I'm not an engineer or a finance guy. I'm actually an operator. So I approach this space a bit differently with more of a beginner's mind. Um, I think that'll be valuable for the conversation today. Prior to Radar, I was the program director at a big old incubator out here in Colorado where Radar's based. I was helping companies build their teams, raise money, and get to market. And why did you get into crypto? I actually wrote my, my undergrad economics thesis on negative health outcomes of economic insecurity. And my research ended up taking me to an exhibit on the value of money at the Smithsonian, where I fell in love with Bitcoin and this concept of banking yourself. Right? When you talk about economic insecurity and volatility, of course, you wind up thinking about digital currency. And I, I care deeply about meritocracies and self-efficacy and agency And so what actually pushed me over the edge to change my career, move away from helping startups to actually starting one, was when the Ethereum community really started to develop uh, over the last few years. It was time for us to jump in, start building something enduring. That's great. 
And what is Radar Relay and what are the problems you're solving? Yeah, so let's zoom out actually a little bit here because I think um, if you've never heard of our company or not sure what a relayer is, I think it's worthwhile to talk a little bit about our mission, our vision, and some of our strategy. So I, I spoke a little bit about our vision actually already when, when I talked about agency and self-efficacy, right? That's the why. That's the why behind what we're doing at Radar. That's part of our DNA, what gets us up in the morning, how we hire folks. Now onto the mission or the what, right? So this is the, I say this all the time, and if you've heard me before, if you've read any of our material, this won't be new, which is onboarding the world to the token economy. And I think for some folks that can be a bit heady or complex. And so I want to break it down. So let's unbundle it here. So onboarding, that's easy. That's simple. That's creating a soft landing, right? For new users, the world, that's easy as well. That means everybody, that's all of us, regardless of what level of computer science degree you attained, or, or if you're on the bleeding edge of tech, it doesn't matter if you're laggard, it, that's everybody. And then last is the token economy. And I think this is the piece where you hear it thrown around often. There's blogs, there's podcasts, there's articles called the token economy. But for us, it's pretty simple. It's the intersection of two systems. The first system, which is the token system. And there's really only four types of tokens and happy to go into them if, if you want, Zach. But the four are utilities, securities, collectibles, and currencies. If that's one system, then what's the other part? What's the other part of the token economy? It's the second system. That's exchange, which is either mediated or peer-to-peer. -peer. Mediated like Coinbase or peer-to-peer, -peer, literally person-to-person. -person. And so our strategy, right, the goal of what we're building at Radar is to connect those two systems, build the infrastructure, the pipes, the scaffolding that connects the token system with the exchange system. And we've already started, right? Our first product, Radar Relay, did that. We used peer-to-peer -peer exchange tech and we targeted utility tokens. We launched in October, it's called Radar Relay. Now, in terms of solving problems, in terms of the category, I'm excited to talk about that, but at a, at a very high level, you can think of the most immediate problem that we are solving today with our first product at Radar Relay is operational risk. We'll talk, I'm sure, in, in depth about the landscape of exchanges, but for us, it is absolutely unacceptable that traders like you, like me, like Zach, are exposed to hacking and bad actors um, from some of these other trading venues. Yeah, the frequency with which exchanges are hacked and a currency or Bitcoin or digital currency stolen seems to be increasing in frequency, particularly given the larger focus and interest in the crypto ecosystem and also the, the increasing valuations of these projects. So the money stake or the honeypot is increasing. So you see the attacks more frequently. So with something like Radar Relay, you wouldn't have the operational risk of attack. Is that correct? Yeah, you nailed it, Zach. And that's a great segue. So as part of this conversation about decentralized exchange, I want to zoom out again and and talk about definition. So for us, and for me personally, decentralized exchange isn't a noun. It's not a category to describe. It's not an umbrella term. It's actually a verb. And I think this lack of precision in describing this space is causing some cognitive dissonance. It's confusing for companies. It's confusing for users, confusing for regulators. And it was certainly confusing to me when I first jumped in. So I want to talk a little bit about this evolution of exchange tech. So rewind the clock. 50 crypto years ago to when Bitcoin started trading and, and the early venues came online. It totally made sense that these venues were highly centralized. We needed actors to coordinate activities, adjudicate transactions, create safe sandboxes for folks to trade. Totally made sense. But of course, they were fragile, they were vulnerable, and, and bad actors, like you mentioned, Zach, they took advantage of that. And I don't know how many billions of dollars have been stolen and, and lost at this point, but it's a tragedy. But when there's a, a market tragedy like that, 
smart entrepreneurs jump in to solve the problem. And so you saw this influx of teams starting to A-B test different exchange technologies. And so you saw an, another gentleman named Zach actually from Ether Delta way back when start the first smart contract-based decentralized exchange. And he was a one-man band and he, he saw Ethereum and the, the power of the, the smart contract as an escrow agent to solve that uh, some of those human vulnerability problems. And that was great. Ether Delta, I think, hit like 30,000 monthly users at one point because it was solving a real problem. It was reducing the operational risk. But there was still issues there. There was still some challenge with the UI. It wasn't great for automated traders. You know, you certainly couldn't plug into it if you were another decentralized application. And so a new spark was lit, brand new technology that, that moved this whole exchange technology space forward. That's the 0x protocol. And so we'll talk about that, I think, here in, in just a minute. But what that allowed for was another group of entrepreneurs like us at Radar to come in and use that new protocol, just like EtherDelta used Ethereum smart contracts. We're using the ZeroX protocol to create this category of a relayer. And I, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about what the heck is a relayer and, and what does it mean to create a category? That'd be great. Yeah. So when you think about category creation, it is a highly disciplined, focused act, right? Whether it's your Keurig and you created the coffee pods or your Airbnb and you've created this sharing economy, there's a lot of precision that goes into that because you, you have to frame the problem, you have to create the vocabulary to describe that problem, and then ultimately you end up owning the solution. So that's what we've tried to do in conjunction with 0x and some of these other relayers that have come online is create this category of a relayer. And you can think of it very similar to Craigslist. So just like on Craigslist, you know, you buy and sell your couch with, with another peer, it's very similar on Radar. You buy and sell tokens. But instead of meeting in some sketchy Walmart parking lot like you do on Craigslist, you actually meet on the Ethereum blockchain and you settle directly, wallet to wallet, peer to peer. And so we've spent a long time sort of thinking about the flip side of category creation. What's the opposite of that? Well, it's education and it's stewardship. And you can't just introduce a third category like a relayer and hope overnight that we're going to move and migrate all this volume and all this liquidity and engagement to this new category. It's certainly going to take time. So if I'm a new user and I have made a decision that I want to buy crypto, what are the pros and cons to buying on, say, a centralized exchange like Coinbase or using a decentralized exchange, a relayer like Radar? Yeah. So hypothetically, let's say you listen to a podcast with a, a brilliant host and a, and a guest and, and you decided to go and kick the tires on the platform. You would find if you showed up at Radar Relay today that we don't handle the movement of fiat to crypto. We don't do the zero to one money services, business, banking relationships. That's not our core competency, but that is the core competency of brokerages like Coinbase, of exchanges like Gemini or Circle and these incredible firms that have built uh, core competency around being the, the on-ramp to the highway. And so that's where I would recommend you start. If you want to engage in this wild and beautiful Web3 frontier, if you want to engage um, the super highway of crypto to crypto dApps and trading, you have to start there. And we don't compete with them. In fact, we depend on them, right? We're building on top of that. And as the world moves into crypto, um, they move into our territory. Then that becomes our turf. And then we'd welcome you to come to Radar once, once you've acquired said crypto. So maybe you can talk a little bit more about how technically a decentralized exchange works and who is using it. Sure. I'll explain on about Radar Relay and, and how we're built using ZRX and Ethereum. And then we can just touch on you know, some of these other categories, right? Because like I mentioned before, 
because we use decentralized exchange as this mental model or as this catch-all term, the lack of precision can make it hard to talk about the category, right? So like, you know, there are firms like Bancor and Kyber that sort of fit under this category of, of decentralized exchange, but are wildly different than what we are building. But everybody sort of, you know, combines us. So I'll just talk about us to begin with. So as I mentioned, we think the best analog is a bulletin board, right? So think of Craigslist with a few more, you know, with some charts and prettier colors. Um, and so what's actually going on under the hood is that we're leveraging a protocol. It's called ZeroX. And you can think of ZeroX as a messaging protocol, which means it's really just a bet. It's a long bet on standardization and interoperability. So what they've done is it's really two things. The first is messaging, as I mentioned, where you decide your order parameters. So I want to buy XYZ token. I want 10 of them and I want that order to persist for one day or one week or what have you. Then that order is cryptographically signed, so it's secure. And then ZeroX has built a set of pipes, you know, smart contracts that move those orders, whether it's peer-to-peer, relayer to relayer, relayer to DAP, user to DAP, it doesn't matter. Anybody can use this protocol. And the elegance of ZeroX is that they've tied a bow on this whole protocol by creating a token. And that token is for the purpose of governance. And so if you remember, I talked about those pipes and how the, the orders flow and how value flows. What if those pipes get rusty? What if you need a new pipe? What if version three is coming out? What if a participant in the community really needs a change to be made? Well, then we all get to vote. You know, and we get to vote on, okay, we're ready to move to a new type of plastic from PVC, or we want steel instead of aluminum or what have you. And so we, we love the ZeroX protocol and how they're so aligned on interoperability and standardization. And then the second piece under the hood is Ethereum. And just think of that as our settlement layer, right? This is where the ZeroX protocol is sort of pushing, right? Pushing trades to settle directly on, on Ethereum. Yeah, so this is a good segue. So the ZRX token seems to be a hot topic in the crypto ecosystem. You have some people that are skeptical, they need a token. You have some people that are very bullish on the governance features of the token. What are your thoughts on on ZRX and the need of a token? You know, you can probably tell which camp I'm in, right? From my previous comments on, I believe deeply in the power of governance. I believe deeply in the ZRX team and their ability to execute. I think if somebody is going to nail governance, right, Decred has made some amazing progress. And I think there's a lot to be learned there. Um, but I think if somebody is going to really nail it, it's going to be the ZeroX ecosystem where you have deeply engaged relayers like us, right, who rely on the protocol. You have a protocol that's shipping. You have retail users who care deeply about the value proposition that the token allows for. You have automated traders who can't wait to reduce their operational risk. And so I, I think we have all the, all the makings of a great team to solve the governance problem. Now, in terms of does ZeroX have governance today? It does not. There's no staking mechanism. There's no voting mechanism. It's coming real quick. And you can read about some of Will's progress and his thinking on some of his Medium blogs. When we think about our business at Radar, it's multi-generational. This is an enduring company. It's going to take decades to execute on our mission, onboarding the world to the token economy. It's going to take decades to execute on Will's mission at zero X of letting value flow sort of cross-border, right? Globally orders without borders. And so we think that the token in this earliest implementation of version one, it's going to be dwarfed in its value in version two and three and four and five of, of zero X. And I think you're only going to see more and more value um, and thoughtfulness coming to the governance function. So I think it's really short-sighted and naive for some people to sort of hold teams accountable to the very first MVP of their software. You know, we don't do that in traditional business. Um, and so we shouldn't do that about some of these early crypto projects, right? It's less than a year old still. 
Absolutely. So you, you've talked about ZRX. How does Radar interact with Ethereum? And are you just able to offer uh, trades between ERC-20 tokens at this point? Yes, that's correct. So if you show up at Radar, you said, hey, that guy on the podcast, you know, he kept talking about it. I'm going to go kick the tires. Let me check it out. So show up, um, you connect your wallet, either this is a, a web wallet like MetaMask or uh, it's a hardware wallet like Ledger. Now you have two new user actions. So just like Netscape in the earliest days of the internet, had new user actions like refresh or use the address bar or search, decentralized venues like ours also have new user actions. And there's two of them in particular that I think Zach is alluding to around using Ethereum. And the first is token allowances. What this does, um, this allows your tokens in your wallet to be used by the ZeroX protocol. So think of this as turning them on, right? Turning them on to the protocol, turning the token allowance on. And then the second user action is wrapping. And this has probably been the most interesting new user action for most people, which is wrapping Ethereum. Because of the velocity of development in this ecosystem, the ERC-20 standard was actually implemented after the launch of Ethereum, right? And so Ethereum itself, Ether itself, is not actually ERC-20 compliant. So you have to wrap. You have to wrap ETH. You have to make it interoperable. You have to standardize it. So once you move through those two steps, you can grab an order off the order book or place an order on the order book. When you want to take the order, you pay gas to submit that, right? You pay gas to the Ethereum blockchain, which then allows you to settle directly with another peer. And so that's as quick and as sort of painless as I can make the user journey. But I hope it articulates the fact that the order book is held on our side, right, off-chain, whereas the settlement happens on-chain, out of our control, directly wallet-to-wallet or peer-to-peer. What are the potential use cases for Radar? I mean, obviously you have peer-to-peer token trading, but are there other use cases that are emerging today or other use cases that you see or you anticipate emerging over the next couple of years? Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite topics to talk about. So there's the obvious ones, the low-hanging fruit, right, trading, whether it's retail, you know, you show up on the interface or it's automated traders, which let's, um, let's come back to the automated trader side. There's some good updates there. But then there's two pieces that doesn't meet the eye at, at first glance. Right? It, when, when people show up and, and they use this for the first time, they think, oh, this is just like a brokerage or this is just like an exchange we've used before. But because of our architecture, there's two new ideas. So the first is adding more advanced financial instruments. So lending, derivatives, et cetera. There are, are great projects like Dharma, which I know has been on the podcast. DYDX has been on this podcast. If you haven't listened to those, I would highly encourage that. I actually caught both of those, Zach. They were excellent. Those would be great examples of what's possible using relayer architecture that It's a little more difficult with a traditional centralized exchange. And then the last piece of use cases is what we call token processing. And what we've done here is we've ripped a page right out of Stripe's playbook. So if you think about what Stripe did for developers, right? So before Stripe, you had a t-shirt company, e-commerce company, what have you. It was a headache to deal with PCI compliance and hand-to-hand combat with banks to set up your payment gateway. And Stripe came along with, with just seven lines of code remove the intermediary, and all of a sudden, anybody, right? Any user could have a, a frictionless user experience and just with some creative API tools under the hood. So we see that happening in this token economy as well, right? If, if you live in the future, like our company does, like we do, you might, have to, you might have to squint and turn your head a bit to see this future. But if you believe that any token, anything that can be tokenized will be tokenized, then that means users are going to be expected to hold right, thousands or tens of thousands of, of assets in their wallet. I think that's untenable. I think that's unacceptable. I don't think that will work. What I do think will work is a Stripe-like scenario where a user shows up at a dApp, whether it's you know, CryptoKitties version 600 in a few years or 
whether it's, you know, Augur, some prediction market, they show up. And to use that token, they don't have to go visit an exchange, buy it, put it in their wallet, show back up at the app, you know, remove it from the wallet, make the trade. They actually just show up and act, engage. They pay with whatever token they want. And under the hood, Radar and other venues that are providing these global liquidity pools are able to provide that managed user experience and abstract away whatever token is native to that dApp. And under the hood, that dApp or that token issuer gets paid in the token that makes sense for their crypto economics. The user doesn't even think about it and they just act. And so that's a world um, that we see it's going to take a while to get there. The more dApps that launch, the sooner we get there. But that's not something that other venues can allow for. And that's something that we've built from day one, right? We've planned with the end in mind. How can we build an architecture that allows for that world of token processing? Uh, that makes a lot of sense. And as you think about your business model, how does Radar Relay make money today and how will continue to make money with some of these evolving use cases going forward? Right now, we are laser focused on usage engagement, not profit. We're not looking to pull profit off the table. So we've actually turned our fees off. So like many traditional exchanges who implement transaction-based compensation or fees, that's where we started with the business model in our minds, right, long-term. But our intention is not to generate profit in the short term. It's to make it easy for people to kick the tires on this new category, to try it out, look under the hood, think about it, try it, evangelize it, not charge people. So eventually we'll, we'll turn back on fees and you know implement a revenue model. But right now, our, our investors, our users understand that now is the time to evangelize the category, not turn on fees. And you think about your fee model going forward, if you do turn on fees, you know, Binance, there's a lot of interesting models, Binance being one of them, where you can use, if you own the Binance token, or you contribute the Binance token, you have reduced fees buying on Binance. Or Radar Relay adopt a similar business model where you have a token, and the token will, you know, reduce your fees, or will Radar never you know, introduce its own token? The token question. Yeah, we thought long and hard about this. So Radar as an entity, right? As I, as I mentioned sort of in the introduction, I touched on it briefly. This is a multi-generation enduring company. It's, we're going to be around for a long time, which means we're going to build a lot of products, right? We have a lot of infrastructure to build to connect the token system to the exchange system that I mentioned. And Radar Relay is just the beginning. So for our first product here, we don't see a need for a token. Not now, not, not ever. You know, even as we bring on these more advanced financial instruments, and start onboarding automated traders, it's, we still don't see the need for that incentive mechanism or that usage, the usage token or utility token there. But that's not the case for Radar as an entity, right? As we launch other projects, we're always thinking about crypto native financing. And while right now, candidly, we don't have any insight in, into what a token business model would look like or a token would be for our next few products that we already have planned in the pipeline, we're never going to take it off the table. I think it's a big part of being a participant in this token economy is always thinking about first principles around crypto economics and how can we use a token and, and walk the walk. So besides some of the technology limitations today that you just talked about, what are some of the biggest challenges uh, for Radar today? How much, uh, how much time do you have, Zach? <laughs> what, whatever you got. I'm, I'm curious to hear how you're thinking about it. <laughs> so ideas are, are fairly easy. It's execution that's the hard part. Right? So my, my experience prior to this, this incubator, you know, helping hundreds of companies build and grow. And it was almost always execution failure, execution challenges, right? Not hiring the right people, uh, raising too much, not raising enough, market risk, market timing, regulatory concerns, not getting the right butts in the right seats. It was very rarely about the core idea and the core technology. So to bring that into focus for us, uh, I think there's some operational risk on our side, right? So when we started less than a year ago today, 
it was about three of us, right? It was three guys and, and spending nights and weekends, you know, we still had our, our day jobs and, um, and now we're almost 30. So we've grown about 10 X in personnel. And so, you know, although I'm, you know, I think of myself as a good operator and I have faith in my ability to build and manage a team, there's some risk there and, and right. And growing too fast and managing the culture then market, we're in this super volatile market. So if you look at like radars, statistics and our analytics, we've traded almost 300,000 ETH at this point in total volume since we launched in October, but it, we reflect the market. So, you know, when the market is down, we're down and vice versa. So, you know, a good day for us over the last few weeks while the market's been down is maybe hitting a million dollars in daily volume. Whereas when the market was pumping a few months ago and it was in its upcycle, you know, we were regularly getting a few weeks in a row of five, $7 million a day. So there's the, sort of the market risk. There's talent risk, which is, can we continue to grow our business, right? We're in Colorado, right? We're headquartered in Denver. And so we're not out in SF where a lot of the movement is. We're not in New York where most of the finance innovation is happening. And so we're certainly thinking about how do we extend our reach to the coasts? Um, and then, you know, there's of course regulatory risk. I think we're, we're always disappointed to see uh, bad actors in this space sort of emerge. And we're always thankful when we see agencies like the SEC start to take action to protect retail investors and act against those bad actors. But anytime you're in this wild and volatile sort of space, you're going to attract more and more bad actors. And so I, I see that being a risk for the space in general and maybe forcing some regulators' hands to take a, a more strict than usual approach because of the some of the ubiquity of some of these bad actors across the projects. And uh, maybe last is creating a category, right? There's category risk. You know, we turned on this concept of a relayer. And although I come on podcasts and do articles and videos and talk about relayers and we're like a bulletin board, it takes time. It takes time to build a category. And I, I think, you know, part of that is education. Part of that is stewardship. So, you know, there's sort of this idea of, right, being early is sometimes the same as being wrong. And, and so I think we have our work cut out for us, certainly to educate around this category as well. So this might be a good segue into the competitive environment a little bit. If you would love to hear your perspectives on Coinbase acquiring Paradex and um, how you're looking at the competitive ecosystem, both with other decentralized exchanges and relayers and also uh, with, with centralized exchanges. So this is another question of how much time do you have? So there's certainly a lot going on. So on one hand, I am a huge fan of the Peter Thiel aphorism of competition is for losers. <laughs> and, and so I say that sort of tongue in cheek, but we have a mission at Radar, right? We're solving a real problem. It's a long problem. And we're generally not concerned with competition from a Radar perspective. However, on the other hand, our first product here, Radar Relay is, is absolutely in a competitive space. And you know, I don't bury my head in the sand on that one, right? There's over 200 centralized exchanges around the world and a growing number of non-custodial venues and relayers and decentralized exchanges that we can always learn from whether it's in UI or marketing or token inventory, you know, what have you. So I'll come back to the Coinbase Paradex uh, piece here, but I think most importantly, from a competitive perspective, this is related to the category. There's the status quo, right? That's how people are doing things. And so Coinbase has done an incredible job, Gemini, Kraken, Circle, of creating these brokerages, right? To move people from fiat to crypto. And then people just want to stay put. Like, hey, my limited needs are being met here. Right? There's nothing else I need to do with these tokens. I, right? you know, maybe I'm thinking sort of speculatively buy and hold. And man, you know, these guys just launched an index product. Well, this is really cool. I don't have a need to go elsewhere. But this wild and beautiful Web3 frontier that's being settled and colonized every week with new projects is starting to draw people out of those ecosystems and to come play on our turf and our ecosystem. So anyways, so on to Coinbase and Paradox. So um, for those of you who you know, maybe aren't as familiar with the relayer space, 
Um, so after we launched in August, our beta or our um, testnet and then our mainnet in October, there was this incredible Cambrian explosion of relayers that launched as well to help join us on this quest for creating this category. I think there's about a dozen now at this point, actually. And we've really, really been humble and fortunate to you know, still have around 80% of the market share across relayers. And you know, we're always trying to figure out how do we share liquidity and sort of help in that regard. And um, Coinbase recently acquired another relayer project called Paradex. And that was, Zach, that was one of the busiest days of my life as a startup entrepreneur, as a startup founder. I think in a period of, I was actually sitting in the ZeroX office with the ZeroX team when that news broke and, and it was really exciting. So I, I think in a period of like 12 hours, I think maybe a dozen of the top exchanges in the world reached out and said, hey, <laughs> hey, we saw that you know one of the smaller projects was AquaHired. What, what are you guys up to? And it was wild. So I had an opportunity to to understand where the majority of centralized exchanges are and their technology roadmaps around deploying decentralized venues, thinking about zero X. That was great market industry intelligence. And then it sort of blessed this category, right? So for firms like Paradox and like us, it was a great way to break into the news cycle and to make it clear that we are deeply relevant and that centralized entities need to extend their product roadmaps to either build or buy. So anyways, I hope that gives you some perspective into how vibrant this community is. Alan, what are some important trends in the crypto ecosystem you're observing? There's quite a few. So maybe at a, at a high level, operational excellence. So what I mean by that, I think generally there are three types of companies out there. So the first are product leaders, right? So these are companies like Apple and Google who are constantly pushing you know, the iPhone 7 and six months after the iPhone 6, they're cannibalizing their previous product lines in essence of and support of what is next and what is new and what is current. You know, that category, that business model, that's been the, the status quo for most of crypto companies, right? You have these brilliant engineers armed with, you know, their cryptography backgrounds and their sort of libertarian leanings, and they're building amazing things and they're pushing the industry forward. Then you have the second type of company. It's this customer intimacy or user intimacy. These are places like car dealerships. Your, your name is in, is in a CRM. You get a Christmas card every year. And then there are a third category, which I think we're, we're starting to see, which is operational excellence, right? These are, this is the Walmart of the world, convenience, ease of access, globally available, low prices. And so you're starting to see companies, you know, move from uh, this product leadership to operational excellence. And so companies like I've mentioned it before, Coinbase, Gemini Circle, they're doing a phenomenal job of working with regulators, working with their users, creating highly secure brokerages, right? Moving people uh, from fiat to crypto with ease, handling it at scale, experiencing zero, like little downtime. You know, I think what Circle has just done with the US dollar coin is a great example of that, right? Of, of them practicing product leadership, right? With creating a stable coin, but also knowing that they're a company focused on operational excellence to get that to distribution and to get that to scale. So I love that. I love seeing that trend. You know, companies like mine are very much still in the product leadership phase, um, you know, focus area, but we're, we're working quickly to get to that operational excellence role. Uh, another important trend, I've mentioned this a few times, the, the phrase soft landing. How I think about that is how do we make products? How do we build integrations for people like me, non-engineers like me to show up and use the products? And I, I think you're starting to see more of a focus on onboarding, soft landing, user experience. Uh, and then last, and I think this dovetails as well, with the first two is the talent. People are leaving Dropbox and Google in droves to come in and focus on creating operational excellence, creating user experience, and showing some of the early movers in the space how to build, right? We have these incredible technology leaders that are leaning in. You know, I'm in a unique position where 
I have all these relationships with token issuers because you know they're on radar and we've had to work with them. And I think every time I hop on a call and ask like, how's your team? How's the org chart developing? I hear, oh, we just hired you know, a senior engineer formerly at Google, or we just hired a PM from Facebook, or you know, our designer used to be at, at Behance. And it's been an incredible perspective I've had in, into this trend of, of people leaning into the space. Alan, tell me a little bit more about the Radar community and how you've gone about building that community and, and how our listeners today can follow Radar and interact with Radar. Sure. As I mentioned, the flip side of category creation is education. So we, we focus day one as being seen as educators, as stewards, as a trusted source for our users to learn about this, this wild and crazy Web3 frontier. And so we have many different venues to engage. So if our community is, if you want light touch, right, it's a newsletter. Sign up for a once a month newsletter. If you want to follow what we're doing on a weekly basis, follow us on Twitter. If you want to engage and talk to, you know, find me, find our, our support team, talk to any of our engineers. Telegram is a great resource. We, we have a, a really active Telegram channel and then last, we have this vibrant developer community that's starting to use our developer docs, right? You can visit them, developers.radarrelay.com and come and check out our API, our SDK. They're starting to play around with DAP integrations and they're starting to build bots. And so, Zach, to just double down on this education piece, one thing that has been just a phenomenal community builder for us is that we've actually built a, a series of educational websites, or you can think of them as microsites around different user actions, right? So I mentioned the user action of wrapping Ethereum. I mentioned the user action of token allowance. So we actually built websites. So weath.io, W-E-T-H.io, tokenallowance.io, Relayer Network, Bue.io. And so we have this whole stable of these sites that actually pull in thousands of unique visitors per month um, from all over the world. And, you know, it's evergreen sort of content marketing on one hand, but on the other hand, it's meaningful, actionable learning, education. And so we've built sort of this little cult following of, of folks that you know, are asking us, hey, build an educational site for X or Y or Z. And, and so we actually have a design team of three folks now that are cranking out about one per week. And that's been a big part of our community. And then most importantly in our community is our users, right? And so we, we do, you know, just, I think this month, month of July, we'll do at least 45 user interviews. That's one of our, our key results this month. And so we spend a lot of time understanding, sitting shoulder to shoulder with you guys, our users, the listeners, the audience, understanding what can we do better you know, spending time thinking as we translate the site and the app across all different places, how do we change our user flow, right? So, you know, we noticed from some of our user meetings that some of our uh, Korean users were struggling with this one part of our onboarding flow. And it's because we had, you know, we needed to have a better translation there. And so we only learned that from engaging with the community. And then we also get out of the office too. So we actually have a, somebody in our team, formerly our community director, Connor Herman, who traveled all over the country going to events um, speaking. And, and you can find some of that on, on YouTube. He might be coming to a, a meetup near you. And if that's something you're interested in and getting Connor over to the meetup, you know, find us on Telegram and, and let's get him out there to come talk to you guys. Great. And changing gears a bit, what mix of crypto assets do you own personally? Nothing surprising here, actually. Um, I own a, a few more ZRX tokens than, than your average podcast guest. I, think I would say a majority Ethereum, right? I, I believe deeply in, in the space we're building on. Yeah, no, nothing too surprising. And final question. The crypto market is $270 billion of market cap today. Where do you think we'll end the year? Like many of, of your guests, we spend a lot of our time, you know, heads down, not thinking about price or volumes. But I do have some sort of general comments that I think you can just think about the direction. Um, so if you just look at, if you were to extrapolate the market size just from radar, right? And you, radar relay, and you used our team 
it's a function or a proxy for the space, right? We were three people last year and now we're almost 30, right? We growing about 500% month over month in terms of volume since we launched. And now, now if you were to use the greater space as in general as a proxy, right, I would just say extrapolate the growth rates you've seen in the last few years and extrapolate them forward. The critical piece that hasn't been baked in into previous years of growth has been global liquidity. So you've needed venues like ours and like many of the other decentralized exchanges, relayers, et cetera, to unlock this global liquidity. So we just recently found out. So, you know, I mentioned less than a third of our users are in the U.S. So that's China, Japan, South Korea. And then only in the last 60 days has India, like Indian users are are just all of a sudden starting to use radar because I don't know if you've noticed in the news cycle lately, but there's been some struggle with Indian regulations and banks. So I think you're going to see this latent demand or unlocking of global liquidity and moving into the space. So, you know, hard to comment on prices or size, but all the signs point to increased demand. The key takeaways from today's episode are one, decentralized exchanges, otherwise known as DEXs, are an important part of the crypto ecosystem because they allow for trustless token trading without ever losing custody over your digital tokens. Two, unlike a centralized exchange, a decentralized exchange doesn't know who their customers are and thus can't restrict or censor the trading activity of its users. And three, Radar Relay is the market leader DEX in terms of volume, having approached up to $8 million of daily trading volume. Thank you for listening to the show. We're trying to make the crypto ecosystem more mainstream and welcoming. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a five-star review in iTunes and share this with one person you know who is trying to learn more about crypto technology. You can reach me on Twitter at Zachary DeWitt or email me at Zach at wing.vc. Thank you.